to another fabulous episode of Pageants and Prosecco. My throat is doing a little something funky, so I'm not going to um, do too much yelling today. And I have my tea on hand. I'm drinking Moringa tea. Um, it's really good for women's reproductive health. And I just found out I had a fibroid and I have a cyst. I'm trying to think. I have a fibroid and I have a cyst. So I heard that Moringa tea is really good for helping to kind of work through that. So I found some at um, Whole Foods, and now I'm sipping on it, and it's really good. It's a green tea. I am so excited about today's episode because I am featuring someone who I really wanted to interview for a very long time, and I'm so excited to have her on the episode today. You guys know her as Miss DC USA. She is now Miss Black U.S. Ambassador. Wait, Miss Black Miss Black International Ambassador, <laughs> MBIA. Uh, we had Patrice Harrison on the show earlier, so go back and listen to that episode, The Director. And today we have Sierra Jackson, and I'm just so excited to talk to her. So let's learn a little bit more about Sierra. Sierra is a motivational speaker and a fourth-generation female entrepreneur who is the co-owner of Sierra's Corner with her mother and owner, Sierra, and owner of Sierra Jackson Consulting. Oh, you guys gotta forgive me. My throat is doing something funky. Mm, mm, mm. Oh my goodness. Sierra's Corner is a second generation women owned business established in 1994, specializing in women and children's apparel and pageant and evening wear. At Sierra Jackson Consulting, Sierra aids her clients by building their talents, skills, and forge strong community partnerships, meaningful platforms, and iconic brands that leave lasting impressions. Ms. Jackson is a proud alumna of two women's colleges, Spelman College and Yale University's Women's Campaign School, and is the fourth of now eight women, you guys, in her family to attend Spelman College, which is a HBCU, and it's an all-women's school. And it's in um, Atlanta, right? It's in Atlanta. Um... She was selected as both a White House and Capitol Hill intern. Sierra served as the only White House intern in her class to serve as the Chief of Staff's office during the Obama administration. Sierra is also an accomplished singer who has not only worked in the White House, but has performed there too. Sierra, who has also served as a TV host, has been featured in Cosmopolitan, Essence, MSNBC, The Washington Post, Bossup, People, and on First Lady Obama's Instagram and service campaigns. Sierra was crowned in the Bahamas over the summer, this past summer, and proudly reigns as the current Miss Black International Ambassador. She also is really, really deep into the pageant world, you guys. She is a, like we call it on the show, a senior, a high school senior in the pageant world. Let me just go ahead and list some of her previous titles. She was Miss Phi Beta Sigma of the, of the Shy Chapter at Morehouse College, and she won as a freshman, having only been on campus after two months. In the Miss America pageant, she was Miss Brookhaven, representing in Georgia, competing for Miss Georgia, and she got top 12. She came back as Miss Rome, Georgia, which is actually like a fun place to live, Rome, Georgia, and she was the first African-American Miss Rome. She was also Miss Columbus, Georgia, her hometown pageant, and her first time winning a local title, competing at a state competition with her natural hair. And she was also Miss District of Columbia, where she won the swimsuit competition at Miss America, first became, became the first Miss DC to win the title with natural hair. It was trending online, and she was competing with natural hair and became the first woman to compete with an Afro at Miss America on the Miss America stage. And we'll get into all this today in the episode. She was also crowned Miss District of Columbia USA for the Miss Universe organization, where she placed top 15 at Miss USA, becoming the first woman to win the DC Miss America 
and Miss USA titles. Individually and conjunctively with natural hair, Anne became the longest reigning Miss DC USA. Sierra has also served as an ambassador to two nonprofits, Running Start and She Should Run, where she, where she is encouraging and training young women from all over the nation, even in Iceland, to run for political office. Sierra founded It's Her Power, which aims to encourage women and girls to redefine leadership, especially as politicians and men to use their power to advocate for the advancement of women and girls. Through It's Her Power, Sierra leads unique programming like It's Her Power Conference and I Am Royal Tea, an exclusive invite-only event honoring leadership, excellence, performing arts, and the value of community. You can attend these upcoming events more this fall. And I'm so excited to have Sierra Jackson on the show. We have so much to talk about and get into. Why don't we give a nice warm cheers to Sierra Jackson. Hi. Hello, so my love. So good to be here. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I have my <laughs> notebook ready. Nice. Okay. Okay. I love it. Leopard print. We love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I have my pencil. My number two. My nice. number pencil. So okay. I kind of wrote the pencil. <laughs> I have so many questions to ask you. Okay. Uh, and I'm so glad to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing really great. It's a beautiful day outside. Um, the sunlight is just shining. So I'm super happy about that. So it's been a great day. How about yourself? Well, it's been a good day for me, but it's the opposite over here. It's raining. It's <laughs> storming right now. It's so wet and it's almost flooding. Oh, no. Hopefully it turns up uh, better soon. <laughs> Yeah, but these are days I kind of like. It's thundering. I don't have to go outside. It's like a nice, chill day. I have my tea. It's kind of like a Sunday morning. Yeah, I love Sunday mornings. They're the best. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So why don't we just get into it? Because you're so, you have so many layers to you. And being from the District of Columbia, I really wanted to interview one of you DMV girls. Because as someone from the outside looking in on the whole DMV pageant scene, mm -hmm. you guys are all so amazing. Like also amazing. And then District of Columbia has done really well at Miss USA, as we know. And I feel like there's something in the water that makes you guys just so phenomenal, you know, in the pageant stage in the pageant world. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably like, you know, being around politics and being around those type of people and seeing business people day to day. But what do you think is that it factor, I guess you could say, to start that you grew up with coming from the DMV that makes you and other women so successful on a pageant stage? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, most importantly, I would say um, the ambition. So I actually am a military kid. Um, I was actually born in Kentucky, raised in Georgia and moved to DC six years ago. Okay. And um, it gave me an incredible opportunity to be independent and to really seek my ambitions and my goals and like fuel those ambitions um, and, and achieve them. And I think so many women in uh, DC have that because we are all extremely ambitious and we want to achieve something. A lot of times that um, is connected to our global um, community and our environment and being able to make a change in our world. So because of that, we already immediately feel um, that we need to do not just what we're currently doing, but do so much more for the world. So when people get to meet us at these different spaces, whether that be um, Miss Black International Ambassador, Miss America, Miss USA, um, they're seeing just a glimpse of this ambition that we have that is a part of our life, you know? So I think that that's what adds to it. And we're we're just some go-getters like we will make it happen no matter what and I think that that is what um, being a woman who's a leader is all about and really just going after what you want to achieve in life I love that and I feel like it's like a whole east coast culture to just kind of go and like want to be a hustler and just succeed because now I think about it, New York also is really good as well mm -hmm. I feel like it's like a east coast thing that's kind of interesting you said independence what was your first um, moment or activity that you did that you feel like you are now stepping into a new type of woman where you felt like you were like becoming truly independent, whether it was like going to college and becoming successful or was it competing in pageants? At what point did you feel like you was becoming girl to woman? Mm -hmm. So 
I grew up in Columbus, Georgia, and I moved to Atlanta for college. So that was one part of it. I always remember like leaving my dorm for the first time, um, my first, I guess, day after NSO was complete at Spelman and like closing the door and not having to ask anyone if I could leave, <laughs> you know, because you grow up with your family all the time. They're like, let us know when you're leaving the house. Like that was my first feeling yeah, of you. Yes, like that first day um, after NSO in college is like definitely um, that part for me. But then in addition to that, I would say when I moved from Georgia to D.C., I definitely took that leap of faith to pursue a career in politics, to pursue my independence, um, to pursue all of my goals and aspirations, whether that be pageantry or politics or whatever the case may be. Um, and it really was something that I feel like was one of the best decisions that I could have made. And it really led into what um, I call my God year, um, which is a highlight that I have on, um, it's a highlight that I have on Instagram, but it also is something that literally happened in my life. And it's literally, um, I took this leap of faith. I think I had just graduated from Spelman. I went to Washington DC for the first time um, to hear First Lady Michelle Obama speak at a luncheon. And um, it was just truly an incredible experience. And there was like just a calling on me. Like literally I came to DC and I was just like, I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna be back here one day. Don't know how I'm here. here. What'd you say? I'm gonna stay here. Yeah, I was like, I don't even know how I'm gonna get back here. I don't know what I'm gonna do when I get here, but I just feel this energy in this city. And this is the first time I've been here and I just feel like I'm gonna be back. It was just such a weird feeling, right? Um, yeah. But lo and behold, after I had, I told myself, you know, I'm still going to compete in Georgia. I was Miss Columbus. Well, I would soon be Miss Columbus. Um, and I said this would be my last chance because I would love to be my hometown queen. Right. right. Um, so I said, I'm not just going to compete with natural hair. I'm going to win um, with natural okay. hair. So I competed in four competitions on my fourth one. I won Miss Columbus and then went for Miss Georgia and won a talent award, but ultimately did not walk away with the title. Right. So I said, okay, well, prior to that in March, Miss um, Georgia was in June, um, I applied to a bunch of different programs, you know, and I got accepted to the Women's Campaign School at Yale University. And I also got accepted to a program called Running Start. And okay. Running Start literally paid for my um, housing. So I got to live in DC free of charge on Capitol Hill, right behind the Supreme Court. Yeah, it was super cool. I got to work for a female member of Congress. Um, at the time, it was Congresswoman Tol uh, Tulsi Gabbard, um, one of only two Arizona, uh, of Hawaii, one of only two female combat veterans um, in in the House. Well, actually, and Tammy Duckworth, who's now a senator, but nonetheless, um, what'd you say? Of Illinois, she's my senator. Correct. Oh, I love that. Yeah, she's super amazing, super inspirational. So um, worked for her and I got to be mentored by her. Um, and then I got uh, a stipend in addition to that. And then I also got Fridays off to do leadership development. So running start literally gave me, yeah, it literally gave me a running start in the politics. Um, okay. And then after that, I had applied to the White House internship about three times. Um, well, I think two times. And then I applied one more time in my last term of eligibility. And um, at first I was like, oh, no more internships. I'm good. I'm done. Like, you know, cannot uh, do this anymore. I'm ready for like the big time stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And then lo and behold, literally on the day that I was watching um, Betty Cantrell, who would be Miss, uh, who's Miss Georgia at the time, who would become Miss America, who, right. as a matter of fact, her, um, Camille Sims from New York, myself and Patricia Ford, um, we were all competing at Miss Georgia in 2015. Um, little did we know we would all be at Miss America the following year, right? Um, so I'm literally watching her win Miss America while I'm submitting my White House application um, in the running start house. And um, lo and behold, like I pressed in, like literally, I think it was like almost midnight, pressed in, submitted and was like, you know, this is my last chance being a White House intern. We'll see what happens. Right. While I'm sitting in the Running Start house in my last opportunity to be a Running Start fellow um, and yeah. applying for, you know, just my last opportunities for so many different things. Right. And um, essentially, I get the White House internship. I become the only intern in my class to serve the chief of staff's office as their communications intern. And then um, I apply for 
Miss DC America, win Miss DC America, um, compete for Miss America. Um, first woman to compete with an Afro and I won the swimsuit competition and I turned online. And kid you not, I moved to DC on September 15th, 2015. And I competed for Miss America on September 11th, 2016. So literally in a calendar year, I had worked in Congress, worked in the White House, won Miss America, I mean, excuse me, won Miss District of Columbia and competed for yeah. Miss America. <laughs> and that's why I call it my guy year. And I even met Beyonce in that year too. So it was just an incredible really? opportunity. Yeah, she was at the White House. <laughs> oh, nice. What were you out? What, what was you? Um, were they performing? Was it the Christmas performance? Actually, no. It was um the White House Easter egg roll. So um she just kind of came to the White House and she was just there. So we got to like see her. Um, I guess it wasn't like an actual like meeting, but more so of just like you get to see Beyonce in person. So it's really really cool. I can't imagine. I feel like I would like just <laughs> kind of like it's just stuck. Like it's the queen right there. <laughs> okay, so you have such a you have you said so much and you have such a huge um you have such a huge way of like motivating our audience so there's so many things i want to touch on that you said one your career politics so what is it that you want to where do you see yourself becoming like as a far as politician what kind of office would you want to run for Actually, at this point, I'm not particularly sure which office, but I just know that um, right now my goal is to work in every facet of like a campaign and to be supportive of politicians in every um, level of government. And okay. after I go through those processes, I feel like I have a better understanding of what position fits best for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. This is something that I advocate for as well. I worked in the Capitol in Illinois for a few years. And I, Illinois is one of the best states when it comes to African-Americans in office and women in office. Well, I don't, I don't know what other states got going on, but a lot of women are holding some of the highest titles in Illinois. And so the Lieutenant uh, Governor, Julian Stratton, actually is a black woman. She's the first black person, first black woman and first black person to be the Lieutenant Governor in the state. Oh, nice. And Congratulations so, to her. I know. And when I saw her, I was like, oh my gosh, like, she really, we like look alike. You know, see my mom. She could be. So that's like so important to have that kind of representation. And um, Cherry Bustos, I'm not sure if you met her, but she's a I've heard of her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's a congresswoman who was outside of um, Rockford, where I was well, a TV reporter. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, like, what's the biggest thing that you guys can do as women when the U.S. House Representative had the most women a few years ago uh, in 2018, 19? Mm -hmm. Whenever they had the most women elected to office. Um, in the U.S. House. I said, what's the biggest agenda that you guys can do? And it was family planning and childcare. She said, that's two things that women understand and they know that men just simply can't quite relate to. So she said, mm -hmm. by having more women in office, we can ease the burden that mothers go through simply through legislation. And that's why I always kind of persuade women, people to just run for office, period, because you don't know, like, the power of a vote is so important. Like, if you're able to do a nice grassroots campaign and people truly believe in you, then you got it. And then not just that, but if you look at the data and numbers, some people win by 20 votes, 50 votes in some of these very small counties. That's very and true. I'm sure, I'm sure you can find like 50 people to vote for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I always consider running for office myself. I just don't know if I want to become a, such a public person in that manner, but I feel like there's such a need that can easily be fixed by just in office. And I feel like women are obviously game changers and we're going to like lead this next generation. So I feel like by encouraging women to run for office is such a, like a lot, I feel like a lot of people don't feel like they can actually do it. You know, they see like white men in office and they don't feel like they can actually become a politician. And I'm like, no, it's not that hard. Like, it's really not that hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, the logistics of it is just money and hate campaign. But <laughs> smaller offices, you can really become, you know, you can really run for office, whether it's your school board, your local representative, your state senator. Your districts are kind of small. The one I was considering in Illinois um, is about, it's kind of considered like a township, so it's not like a city. Mm -hmm. So the the borders are kind of about as big as 
I don't know. I would say like as big as like maybe like four or five high schools in one district. You know what I'm saying? Like it's really small compared to like mm-hmm. if I was running for office in Chicago. Chicago goes from like the lake down to like the suburbs. So I'm really glad that you are mentioning this because I feel like it's so important and the people don't realize how easy it is to be a politician. All you really need to do is just win the majority vote. And it's not just running for president. Sometimes it's just the smaller offices or school boards. And I used to see a lot of parents get so mad at like the school board for doing things. I'm like, well, just run for, just run for school board president next year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like easy solution. And I just wish I could just put money towards this all women just running for office and becoming lawyers. Right, right, for sure. Um, that's one of the reasons why I created um, and founded It's Her Power, which is to encourage young women and girls to redefine what it means to look like a leader um, and to lead in their communities with a servant's heart. So that can be a politician, but that can also mean, you know, being the CEO of a company that you create. Um, that can mean running for or putting in your hat to be a board member of an organization that's important to you. You know, there's right. so many different ways that can be leading in your um place of, of worship, you know, whatever that means for you. Um, it's just important for women to know that we can do it. And a lot of times we don't realize that it's just about deciding number one and keeping on the course. You know, a lot of times everyone doesn't win their first try, but you still have to keep trying. And lo and behold, if you keep, you know, going after that same goal, that door will open for you at some point. Um, so I encourage women to do that. And I also make an effort to support women's campaigns. Um, that doesn't mean that I only work for women, but um, I have worked on the Michelle Nunn campaign for U.S. Senate, the Stacey Abrams campaign for Georgia governor. Um, and there's just so many other opportunities that I've been able to um, see and be a part of, but also encourage and actually be an active part of um, a woman's campaign and making sure that she is able to be elected. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, how can they find out more about your um, nonprofit and to her? Yeah, so you can check um, out sierrajackson.com um, and you can learn more about It's Her Power there. Um, and It's Her Power is just an incredible opportunity that I've been able to create. We're having a virtual conference coming up this year. We have one every year. Um, in addition to one of our programs, which is I Am Royalty, um, we're able to encourage young people and just anyone, you know, to be outstanding, to be a leader, to pursue excellence, whether that's in the arts and leadership or in your community service or even activism. So we have some really cool programs coming out, some more to come. Um, I definitely will share that information with you all. Um, and I'll share that with you, Brett, so you can put it up too. But this is a really cool opportunity for us to encourage women and men to utilize their voices to advocate for women as allies, because a lot of people don't think or don't understand that no great movement has existed without allies from other communities, whether that's the African-American movement, the LGBTQ movement. There's just so many different movements that have been, um, it's been necessary and a requirement that other communities have been able to be allies and support them. And I call on men to do the same thing for women. You know, we live in sometimes a sexist and very patriarchal world, but if we allow Um, ourselves and we allow men to be able to come into the conversation, you know, I think that men definitely and not that they also are not afraid to come into the conversation. Right. And and be more open to um, speaking out on the behalf of women that way when women are not in the room during those locker room conversations. Right. That men, if they hear someone saying something that's sexist um, or even, you know, races in other spaces that they speak up and make sure that that person does not feel comfortable with that type of dialogue or with promoting those types of beliefs. Um, and I think that's what allyship can be from that point to literally being like um, President Biden selecting a woman for the second highest office in the land by appointing her um, his VP pick. So those are so many different variations of where men can also play a part in making sure that they're helping the advancement of women. That's so true, because that's exactly what happened with the, with the governor of Illinois. You know, he chose Julia Stratton for lieutenant governor, and then they won. I think there was actually another woman who was running with someone else when they were running for governor as well in Illinois, a woman. I can't remember who the uh, governor was, who the candidate was. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Um, that's why I think it's so important. I love I love your nonprofit. Um, so I do know a lot of people like the logistics of having a nonprofit. 
at what point did you start it? And can you just walk us through the steps real fast? I know a lot of pageant girls have organizations, but they didn't make it official, like on paper. So can you just walk us quickly real through the steps of creating a nonprofit and running a nonprofit? Actually, I'm going through that now. So currently it is an initiative and we are actually doing a fundraiser to build our nonprofit. Um, we're building okay. out the board. We're building out so many different other great opportunities like programming. Um, and really, it just started from my platform. And I have looked at my life and I saw the fact that I have only really been educated in higher education um, at women's colleges, being Spelman College and the Women's Campaign School at Yale University. I've been the okay. ambassador for two other nonprofits that she should run and running start. Um, and I have been doing so much work just naturally and organically um, every single day advocating for women to run for office. That was the reason why I decided to create It's Her Power. Um, and we're currently in the process of creating that nonprofit and doing that paperwork right now. But I'm super excited. Um, it's a really great opportunity for young people um, to be a part of this, but also people of any different age. And I encourage you all, if you're listening to this, to reach out to me to be a volunteer because we're definitely looking for volunteers. And it's something that I'm super proud of. So when you say going from initiative to a nonprofit, so you guys are um, fundraising so that way you can pay for your nonprofit status. Correct, correct. Um, and I'm super excited about the opportunity to be able to not only fundraise, but really to build out a board of leadership um, yeah. that really will be some of my greatest political um, icons, people who are mentors, people who are just leaders in their own right. And it's something that I have really wanted to um, see shine. And I know that there's so much greatness and so many different women. And it's something that I really want to be able to encourage them to be a part of and to be willing to be just as courageous as they want to be. So um, this is something that has taken a lot of years and a lot of hard work, um, but something that I've definitely educated myself on and something that I've definitely put in the work um, and experience uh, to be able to lead. So I'm super excited about it. I love that. I love that. Okay, so mm -hmm. let's talk pageants now, because that's why we're here, of course. Mm -hmm. um, wait, oh, no, I did want to say one thing about your whole story. I think it's so interesting how you manifested kind of subliminally going to D.C. Um, before when you went there and visited, and then now you're doing all this great work in D.C., fast forward, you know, six years later. And I think this, like, I feel like the universe is slowly pulling you that direction, you know, up the East Coast. And I think it's amazing that, like, you went from an idea and I thought to not knowing how you can afford living in DC or, you know, how you're going to get back out here to being paid to live in DC. And not just are you out there, you're at the best place to be at in DC, which is the capital and the best person to be at the capital with, which is Obama and Michelle. Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it just speaks to the fact of not being afraid to make a career move. You know, a lot of times, People don't understand that to get some of the goals that you want to achieve, you have to be willing to push the envelope, to step outside of your comfort zone and to take a leap of faith. And all those things were required in my move to D.C. And I would encourage anyone who is concerned about or maybe is not sure if they should move to a particular place, pray on it to whomever you believe in, you know what I mean? And take the time to really think about what your life will be and what you would be a part of when you go to that particular place. Um, and then allow, you know, God or the higher power, whoever you believe in to guide you, you know? And I think in the process of that, you will get signs that let you know that you're on the right path. I know for certain if I had stayed in Georgia, I would not have had the opportunity to work in the White House. I know for certain if I stayed in Georgia, I wouldn't have been able to work on Congress and, and um, on Capitol Hill. I know for yeah. certain if I stayed in Georgia, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to compete for Miss America or Miss USA, and especially for Miss America because uh, Miss America because unfortunately they still have not crowned a, a black woman of color since the time I started competing to this very day. Um, so I know that there are certain things. Um, that are beyond my control, whether that be racism or sexism or whatever the case may be. But you have to be willing to put yourself in a better environment for your goals and your aspirations. And I think I definitely did that. I love that. You're like speaking to me because that's something that I'm doing right now. Um, 
a couple thousand miles from home right now. So you moved to DC. I'm in Dallas, Texas right now. And I'm from Oh, Dallas. nice. And so some days I like hate it. Some days I like I want to go home. But I'm so used to like moving anyway, you know, just mm -hmm. around the state of Illinois. And then I was in Hawaii last year. So I'm used to moving. But when you're, you know, I, sometimes I just want to be like home, you know. And I'm like, no, there's a reason why I'm out here. Like, I didn't get out here by mistake. So I really like, you know, you're speaking liking to me right now, you know. And it is yes. a better environment, obviously. It's way better than being in Chicago right now. And it's about to be winter, and I do not want to go through another Chicago winter at all. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand. Um, but I think it's just about, you know, taking it step by step and day by day. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't say that every day in D.C. was easy because it wasn't. I can't say um, that, you know, it was a piece of cake because it just wasn't. You know, there were days that were very hard, and there were days that I had to really, you know, push myself to be able to go through these different things. You know, working in the White House, you're working there probably from seven o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock at night. So that's beyond your general work day. And people don't know this, but White House interns actually are not paid. So you're really investing into your future and the connections that you're able to make while you're in the White House. You know, there are campaigns to encourage the White House to pay their interns, but also there is an incredible opportunity to learn in the White House. Um, yeah. But I know that in the same sense, because there is that same campaign to encourage the White House to pay for interns, uh, pay their interns. I also know that everyone cannot afford to pick up their life and move across the country. So finances is definitely a big thing. If I did not have Running Start, I wouldn't have been able to put the money down on my first apartment in D.C. Um, that I had saved while Running Start was paying for my housing. Right. Um, right. So there are different programs that can help with that. But also know if you are trying to make a leap of faith. Understand that, yes, they're due, they're, they will require finances for that, right? And you have right. to be extremely strategic in how you implement them. Don't just allow someone telling you to take a leap of faith for you to take that leap of faith without being strategic about it and financially making sure you're able to do it. You know, I think yeah. that there are a lot of people who encourage us to take a leap of faith and go after our dreams. But I encourage people to be careful um, of that process because in the process of that, you can be reaching for a goal. And yes, you can go and throw everything you have after it. But if you don't succeed and you do it again and you do it again, eventually you'll be burnt out. Right. And then to some point, you may not even want to try to go after your dream again because maybe you failed so many times. So I encourage people to put their all into their dreams, but do it in a strategic way so that they can space out their resources to be able to achieve that goal. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's the smart way to do it. The Sagittarius in me kind of just jumps and then I kind of figure it out there. But what always works for me is that I've always had a job, you know, that pays for things and then I just save money again all over. So I'm always about <laughs> hopping on a plane and then figuring out the details when I get there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's you can definitely do that and you can find some beauty in just being impulsive and letting, you know, the energy, the vibe, the spirit, whatever leads you. Um, and I think that that's good, too. But I think it's a balance of both. Right. Um, yeah. Taking the time not to take on too many things at once taking the time to balance your life. You know, um, I think it was Valerie Jarrett who said this in the White House when we were there, which was that you can do it all, just not at the same time. That's what her mother told her. And I believe that to be true. Um, yes, I can compete for Miss America, um, Miss USA, Miss Black International Ambassador, work in the White House or on Capitol Hill, or do all these great programs or go to Spelman or whatever the case may be, or even, you know, build It's Her Power. But the reality of that is you can do it all, just not at the same time. And you do have to space yourself, space these things out so that you aren't um, fatigued based on all the things that you're trying to do. Um, yeah. So I would encourage everyone not to feel like they're in a rush or that they're in a race, right? Um, everything is on your time. And when the right timing comes, you'll see that your seeds that you're planting will flourish so much better when you plant them in the right season, right? Um, and I just encourage just so many people to take the time to to look at the landscape and make sure you're not planting your seeds in, in the winter time for whatever that goal is, right? If you study 
and you're strategic, you'll know that there's a better season to do a particular thing than to just jump into it. So I encourage everyone to take that time to figure out what the best time is to plant that seed. I love that. So do you think you would have ever won Miss Georgia, USA or America if you stayed? Um, I think that for me, I can't say. Well, I mean, honestly, I feel like I, you know, you if you hope for yourself and you can um believe that you can, and I always will bet on myself 100 percent at the end of the day. But I also take the time to realize um the landscape, like I was saying earlier, of what what the thing is that you're trying to do. And um, I had already put in my time and effort. When I was my hometown queen, Miss Columbus, Georgia, I spent 180 days, if I'm not mistaken, every single day posting something on social media to get me closer to my goal. So I used social media to hold me accountable for doing one thing at least every day to make me closer to my goal. And I... What'd you say? Of Miss Georgia? Yeah, Miss Georgia America every day. To the point where even the leadership of Miss Georgia was like, how many days are we to Miss Georgia? Because I did a countdown for, for multiple months. Um, I think it was almost maybe five months, if I'm not mistaken, um, okay. where I literally just did something every day to get me closer to my goal. And I believe that it did get me closer to my goal, competing for Miss America, right? Um, and at the end of the day, my goal was to be um, was was to be able to walk on the Miss America stage with my naturally curly hair, right? Yeah. Not as any, anyone else, right? So that was my goal. Would it have been great to be Miss Georgia America if God saw that fit? Yes. But God saw it fit, fit that I was Miss District of Columbia America. And I'm so grateful and Miss District of Columbia USA. And I'm so grateful, right, that God allowed me to do both of those and have both of those experiences and I also wouldn't want it any other way, right? Because if I didn't move to DC, I would have never worked in the White House. I would have never met the Obamas. I would have never been in Congress. So I'm grateful that God closed that door for me and that I didn't keep trying when I saw that God had a better path for me because my whole life and what I know it to be now probably wouldn't exist if I had just stayed in Georgia. Right. So. I don't even like, and I remember, I remember there's one time and I encourage so many pageant queens just to understand that God has a plan for you. And if you're not winning at that particular time, there's a reason why, you know, there's a reason why that's happening. And to have faith um, that there's a plan for you, because um, I remember my first year competing for Miss, uh, Miss America in the Miss America organization, I competed as Miss Brookhaven. And I didn't even know that that Miss Brookhaven would be a local title. So I started, I think it was Miss Georgia Cotton. Then I did uh, Miss Fulton County, which is the county seat of Atlanta, Miss Conyers Cherry Blossom. And then I signed up for a pageant called Miss Southern Rivers. And um, at the very end of the pageant, it was the last pageant of the season. At the very end of the pageant, they said, you know, we only had one title initially, but we want to announce that we have two titles. The second title will be Miss Brookhaven. And God willing, I was able to get that second title. On that night, another young woman, um, she competed with me and won the first title, which was, uh, her name was Lagan Jordan. She was Miss Georgia 2012. And um, she um, won Miss Southern Rivers. So we go to Miss Georgia. We both make top 12 that first year, right? The next year... Um, she goes on to win Miss Georgia and I compete for Miss Georgia and for 10 competitions in a row and do not win and do not qualify to compete for Miss Georgia 2012. Um, I ended up competing another six uh, pageants, one on my sixth try when I won Miss Rome um, and made it to Miss Georgia 2013 um, and still did not win at that time. And by the way, I was still competing with straight hair at that time. Right. Okay. Um I took a break because at the time I you couldn't have told me my freshman year after winning Miss Phi Beta Sigma after being on campus for only two months, uh, which is a huge like, you know, being able to be a Greek uh, queen, which is a huge honor um, uh -huh. to being uh, top 12 at Miss Georgia as like an 18, 19 year old. My first try that I would not have been able to one, make it back to Miss Georgia and place or two win the title of Miss Spelman College. Right. Um, yeah. 
But in the process of that, I was so like just taken and like, I guess I would, I don't want to say broke down, but I guess I kind of was like really distraught because I didn't know um, that that wouldn't happen for me because it was such a goal of mine. Right. So I uh, took a a break, a hiatus from pageantry for a year, my senior year of Spelman. I said, I'm just going to enjoy my senior year. It's my last year on campus. I love this place. And I've been devoting so much time into pageantry. 16 pageants or 20, 21 pageants in from my uh, freshman year to my uh, junior year. I probably knew all that if I'm counting correctly. All in the Miss America umbrella, correct? All in the Miss America umbrella or um, on campus, either be Miss Bowman, Miss Five and Sigma, right? Um, And yeah, so I think it was probably at least 25 um, up until my junior year. I did 25 pageants over the span of three years. Um, And I was really tired, right? Um, So I took my senior year to just take a break, a breather. And um, I remember halfway through the beginning of second semester, I said, I don't really know. Let me just pray about it. I'm going to do one more pageant just to see. And I said, I prayed and I said, God, if you want me to do this, allow me to win. And if you don't want me to do this and take a um, and continue my hiatus, don't allow me to win. And in that competition, I got first runner up at Miss Fulton County. And I said, okay, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to enjoy my senior year for everything that it is. Um, And I came back uh, the following year and I said, that's when I made the the choice. Like, I want to be me. I have been wearing my hair the way people feel like I should wear my hair, speaking the way that people feel I should speak, promoting the issues um, in the way that people feel like I should promote them, you know, and just doing all these different things that weren't true and authentic to me. Um, and in that process of being broken down, I was able to build myself to being the woman that I wanted to be fully embracing myself into the education of a historically black college and university and how that changed the way I look at the world, how I look at myself um, and decided that I was going to not only compete with natural hair, but was going to win. Right. So that process really helped build that that space for me. Um, and by the time that I competed for Miss Columbus, did not win it, and ultimately moved to DC and really was like charting this path of where I wanted to go in life, I recognized that if I had won Miss Georgia in 2011, 2012, 2013, any of those years, right? It just wouldn't have been the same. And I wouldn't have been the same. I needed those failures. I needed the redirection. I needed the big move to to DC to live on my own away from family. I needed these different experiences to make me who I was going to Yale, like all these different experiences happened because those doors closed. So now at this point in time, I would never want to be Miss Georgia, America, or USA, knowing where God has taken me. Because if I had to go that route, I would have ultimately never been able to have these White House and congressional experiences and celebrity experiences that I have today. So um, I say that to say, don't knock why God is closing a door for you. Just be grateful. I'm grateful for the closed door is what I would say. Um because it opened up a better door for me. Yeah, and it gives you a lot of gratitude, you know. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, so, I wake up with a grateful heart for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> what pageant experience do you think was best when it came to competing at nationals and competing on TV? Was it for Miss America or was it for Miss Georgia? Oh, yeah, <laughs> behind the scenes action, on stage action, which one was the best experience? Um, I would have to say, well, I competed during the pandemic twice <laughs> for Miss USA and um, Miss Black International Ambassador. Um, so that definitely changes the experience. But I would definitely have to say, and also like I competed for Miss America 1.0. So that gives a lot of variations, right? Um, but I would have to say Miss America for the national level, um, Miss Black International um, Ambassador for sure overall. Um, and I say that, what'd you say? Because you were in the Bahamas. Right. The Bahamas, like how, what compares, right? (laughs) Um, But in addition to that, just being able to be around my sisters and just, you know, being able to do pageants that are um, more culturally aligned. um, That is really beautiful. But also I would say Miss America was really fun too, because it was very organized um, and they allowed us to have our schedule 
weeks in advance, if I'm not mistaken. And I know that Miss USA did not allow us to have our schedule um, weeks in advance. I also would say that people, well, production, I think is great either way, you know what I mean? In terms of people behind the scenes. So I don't really have like anything to say about that. Like they're all pretty cool. Um, but I would say Miss America for sure was definitely like better in terms of um, just how structured things had gone and how every meal was thought out. We got to go to different places and, you know, all those different things. It was just really, really cool. I know that that's not the case now because there's so many changes in leadership. But at that particular time, um, I could say that competing at just pageant week was a lot more fun. We got to do parades and just so many cool things um, that really just made it feel welcome. And I also say, would say that like Miss America being in Atlantic City should always happen because it just, that city just hugs the pageant in a way that I've never seen a city hug a pageant before, right? Um, and, what'd you say? I said, really? That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, because it was founded in Atlantic City. There's so many like um, monuments and milestones and just things that happen in Atlantic City specifically for Miss America. Um, and then just the boardwalk atmosphere with all the states or like lining the boardwalk and just so many different things that just make it so much um, more welcoming to have the pageant in Atlantic City. Um, yeah. I just really love that opportunity, um, I would say. And um, yeah, it was definitely a lot better um, in okay. comparison. Where were you at for USA? Remind me again. We were in Memphis, Tennessee at uh, Graceland. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You're not at one stage. So mm -hmm. when it comes to like logistics of for people who are either going to a televised pageant, <laughs> you know, the 100 girls who might be listening, uh, the logistics of being on stage. So I always want to know, because I'm into TV and cameras and producing. So do you have to practice looking at the camera as opposed to looking at the judges in front of you? Like, how do you maintain your eye contact for the audience? Like during the swimsuit walk, for example, is, it, is there really two camera people, well, one camera guy and the grip guy, like right there in front of your face on stage while you're walking in a swimsuit? And do you look at the camera and then look at the judges? Or how do you know where to look at for TV? Uh, for TV, they're going to tell you and the cameras are going to have like a red light at the top of them. So you'll see oh, when the cameras are switching. So you just kind of have to keep your eye on the camera um, for. I want to say preliminaries, it's definitely different. But honestly, for me, um, my goal First and foremost, if I know that the judges don't have a, because generally, yeah, the judges are going to have like a screen, but if they're in real life, you'll catch them looking at you more than they're looking at the screen. So I look at the judges and the cameras are going to get whatever version of me they get. And if I happen to catch the fact that the camera is looking at me, like they have a time to where one contestant is already looking at the judges while you're looking at the camera. So you don't have to feel like the judges aren't getting their shine or the cameras aren't getting the shine. So for half of my walk, I let the camera, you know, get its attention. And then when it's time to look at the judges, it's time to look at the judges because ultimately the camera's not going to give me a score per se, right? Like the judges right. are going to give me a score. The judges are going to determine if I move to the next round. So I got to give them their attention, right? Um, so that's kind of how I um, balance it. And, you know, where it feels most comfortable is what I do. But then again, it also comes, my comfort level comes from my experience. So I would encourage any queen to uh, focus on your comfort level and trust your gut, especially after you have put yourself in positions where you have a lot of experience. So when it comes to like being in a bigger, like a, a bigger space, because always TV is a lot of people. Were you like were you nervous? I feel like I would like throw up if I'm on stage. <laughs> Just like seeing everybody, the whole hoopla of the event, everyone's yelling. Just like I think like Miss USA, um, specifically or Miss America specifically, because it's just like a big space to be competing in. Coming from like maybe like competing in a high school auditorium. What was the just like being on stage and feeling the energy from the crowd? Yeah, it's fun. I don't really get um I would say in terms of walking on stage and um, 
speaking on stage, I really don't have an issue there. Mm-hmm. For me, and I think it's just, like I said, it comes from experience, right? So I would say for anyone, you like even to the extent of like just putting yourself out there every day, trying to meet a, a new person when you go to the coffee shop, when you go to the store, just introducing yourself to someone new helps you not have an issue with being afraid of new people. Right. Um, right. And when I was younger, my mom used to always make me like speak on a microphone. Like if we were at a family reunion or at a church event um, and there was a microphone, she would say, go up to the microphone and introduce yourself. And I'd be like, but I'm not on program. This is not my event. Like, why do I have to speak um, on a microphone? Like, what is the purpose? Um, but she would yeah. always make me do it. And it made me a lot less nervous to ever speak in front of people because I had done it so much. And then in addition to that, I really have very little fear about people that I don't know. Like if I don't know you, who cares, <laughs> you know, what you think. Um, so <laughs> so if there are a lot of people, cool. Okay. But I don't know them. So like if I, I get more nervous when I know people than when I don't know people. That makes sense. I guess I can see mm-hmm. that. I just feel like there's just so many people. I went to Miss USA when it was in um, Shreveport, Louisiana. And when mm-hmm. Sarah Rose Summers got crowned. And it was just like a lot of people. I was actually a seat filler, so I was moving around. It was actually kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like it was like a lot of people. I'm like, I can imagine, but I guess you don't also see them because it's the lights just like super bright on you anyway. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you can see people. You can see in the front row. Um, you can see family members that they have signs. Um, and of course, like at Miss USA, the crowd was only 300 people because of COVID, so it was definitely a, a smaller crowd. Um, but Miss America was in Boardwalk Hall, which is like a huge, almost stadium-like um, place. So I think if anything, um, Miss America taught me how to sing um, in front of large crowds because I think speaking is not an issue, but singing can be a little bit more difficult when you have nerves. Not necessarily that you're nervous, but just being in a space where you know you have to perform um, vocally is a different space, um, but there are so many different lessons and tricks and, and tips that you can learn to overcome that. That's interesting. I never thought about that. Because I guess for people who are performing artists, they're used to having a lot of crowd and being on a big stage like that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to, um, I did want to mention a few things, but I don't want to hold you for too long. And oh, coming up on an hour. So when it comes to the Miss Black International Ambassador pageant mm-hmm. and competing in your black, with, in, in, I would say in your black hair, competing in your competing in your natural hair state, do you think that? I mean, obviously, Miss Black Ambassador is a pageant for African American women, mm-hmm. and you know the Miss America and USA system, anyone can compete. So do you think that you had an advantage? competing in your natural hair at a black pageant, whereas you might've had a disadvantage competing in your natural hair at the traditional pageants. What do you mean by advantage? Like towards what? As far as just being able to win and to sell yourself because you're competing in the black pageant. So do you think that having natural hair and competing in a black pageant is more advantageous as opposed to like maybe competing with straight hair or getting a sew-in in a in, in black fashion. I feel like sometimes I, uh, more, I, go ahead. ahead, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Um, so actually, I believe that it is um, difficult in both spaces where women of color deal with racism and Eurocentric white mainstream pageantry. Um, women of color, Black women um, deal with colorism in spaces where um, we are generally um, dominant. And I remember when I competed for Ms. Spellman, we had a Black audience, Black voters, Black judges, Black contestants, and all of us wore straight hair at that time, including myself at that time. And I think that from those experiences and from my enlightenment through competing with my natural hair, I wanted to set the standard of beauty for me. And I believe that if we're in spaces where we are in leadership, then and we're in power, then we definitely should be setting the standard to be one where our culture 
is the standard of beauty. I believe that for Hispanic women, letting them being able to set their standards of beauty and be what's most authentic to them, Asian women, whomever, right? Um, I don't think that it's easier, period. I think sometimes we feel like we can kind of understand, but it can still be very hard for us. Um, I just believe that you have to be good at your craft, no matter what that is, right? Um, and you have to be very intentional about your presentation on either stage, right? So I don't think it's easier. I don't think it gives you an advantage. I think you still have to go through the process of whether it's a big chop, a transition, the enlightenment, being able to just walk out the door in the morning with your new natural hairstyle, you know, all of that you don't know if someone's going to be more welcoming or, or not welcoming. Sometimes our culture and our people are even harder on us um, than other people. Some They may say it to your face, whereas somebody else may say it to somebody else instead of you. It's still hard. You know what I mean? Um, so it's really just something that you have to know what you're doing it for. That's And I believe it's one of the best things I could have done because I I can care less about if someone thinks I'm beautiful or not because I think I'm beautiful because sometimes I know that no matter how bomb my natural hair looks that day, somebody still is going to think it's not cute. Somebody still may think it's ugly, but I think it's great. So I'm aware. You know what yeah. I mean? So I yeah. think people just have to know that it matters what you feel about you. And when you feel good about you, everybody else can see that you feel good about you. Yeah. And I just loved you on stage in your swimsuit and watching you at Miss USA and Miss America. I'm thinking of one I can't tell. I can't remember when you had a yellow swimsuit on. Um, right. Um, no, I have. I haven't gotten the chance to wear a yellow swimsuit on uh, national. Yeah. No, I know that would be killer. But <laughs> I have. Um, I wore pink at Miss uh, America. I wore gold gown. I wore a yellow gown at Miss USA with the blue swimsuit that was um, sponsored for all the contestants. Um, and then I wore a yellow gown at Miss Black International Ambassador and a, a pink sports bar for fitness. Okay, that's, that's why I don't think of it's a yellow gown. Mm -hmm. I do remember seeing you in like a yellow color. Um, so I, I want to know, was your hair, um, did you do a blowout or I mean, a curl out or a braid out? How did you get your hair texture like that? Mm -hmm. So uh, I just uh, blew my hair out and then I wanted it with a curling wand because I wanted something that was predictable. And I knew that if I was going to be the first woman to compete at Miss America um, and anywhere else, right, on interviews, on the news, whatever the case may be, I had to be able to predict what my hair was going to do um, and also have some backup hairstyles just in case because I needed all of that. Right. So um, I blew it out and wanded it. And I also use um, bobby pins to pin it down and hairspray it. And then I take let it sit and then I take it out. Um, so that's how I get my fro to be big as it is and to, for the curls to hold. But also because we were in Atlantic City for Miss America, the humidity and in the Bahamas, the humidity is crazy. So I had to find ways to balance that. Um, I remember right before the Miss America Show Us Your Shoes Parade, um, I spent an hour doing my hair. It looked beautiful. I walked outside and it just said poof. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But um, a trick for naturals is I put bobby pins sometimes around the crown of my head, but you can never see okay. it because I have afro. And whenever I need them, I can take them out and pin my hair up in whatever way. So when you go back and look at some of my pictures from the Show Us Your Shoes Parade at Miss America, I have like these this 1950s, 1960s um, reminiscent um, pinup style that I literally did um, in the car before the parade started um, because of the humidity in Atlantic City. Um, and, you know, just trying different things, you know, but you just have to be careful. Like if you know your pageant is near a large body of water, be sure to have some backup hairstyles, whether that be a bun, a ponytail, whatever the case may be, a pinup style, so that you can, um, you know, do your thing um, wherever you need to do your thing, um, but still look graceful and elegant and put together. I'm actually looking up your pictures from your shoes. Oh yeah, yeah, I can send it to you. Um, one of them is on Facebook, <laughs> but um, but yeah. Um, it's okay. Hold on. I'm gonna bring it up up here. 
me see if I can. I want to see because you look so cute in this um this red dress. Thank you. You were able to find it, or you need my help? I found something. Okay. Let me try to pull it up for everybody. This little app is kind of funky sometimes. Okay. Um. So you said you blew your hair out and you wand curled it. You wand curled mm -hmm. it and you took it out. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was always curious because I cannot get my hair. What hair texture would you say you have? Um, probably four B, four C, somewhere around there. Okay. I'm over here with the four C, and sometimes I just. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be strategic, you know. Um, you have to be strategic about what you want to do with your hair. Um, you have to have backup plans in anything in life, but also with your hairstyles. Um, oh, you found it. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can show it. But um, you have to be very strategic um, with your hairstyles and what you want to do. Um and also, I was very intentional, too. Right. So one of the things that I did that was really important for me um, was really to make sure that every single time people saw me, my hair was natural. I know that a lot of times when queens are natural, people will say like, oh, you can wear your hair straight sometimes. You can wear it natural other times. You can show versatility. But for me, I was very intentional about the inspiration that I wanted to create and the motivation for other women who wanted to be natural. And I knew that if I wanted to be natural, but someone else did not like that style and I did any photo shoots or took any pictures or someone else took a picture of me where my hair was straight instead of natural. If somebody didn't want to see my hair in that texture and they felt some type of bias for that type of hairstyle in any way, they and they had the power and the authority to change a photo they may select a photo where my hair is straight rather than my hair being natural and that was a risk i wasn't willing to take at any point of my pageantry career so um the last time i think i straightened my hair was in 2013 right so it's probably way over seven years yeah mm -hmm. and i wanted to be intentional because i just believe that if i was able to just step foot on the miss america stage and compete with my naturally curly hair and just one person saw a photo of me with my naturally curly hair on that stage then they could believe that they could do it too right um right. and i wasn't willing to risk that one shot that one split second of a photo um for anyone um so i made sure that that happened and initially i thought it would be like okay god i prayed about this i really want this to happen Maybe it'll be me winning Miss America, the crown being placed on my head with this and with my naturally curly hair. And to this day, that has not happened yet. Right. Um, we've been blessed to have a Miss America crowned with her naturally curly hair. Right. Um, but I knew that me winning swimsuit was the picture that would go everywhere prior to Miss America, prior to the crowning of Miss America. And that gave me a lot of um, peace and comfort knowing that, and contentment, knowing that I had put in the effort, I stuck to my goals and I was able to see them through. Um, and as a result, I would say the first year I was a little bit nervous as to if it was going to pick up if people were going to like it. Not even that if people were going to like it, but more so if other women would be inspired to wear their natural hair too. And the mm -hmm. next year after this year, I didn't see anyone with their naturally curly hair. But the following year, I think we had eight women of color of, of African descent and four of them had natural hair. So half of them had natural hair. Right. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then on the USA side, um, you know, you can definitely you know, reach out to Deshauna or anyone else, they'll say that me competing at Miss America was definitely, with my natural hair was definitely an inspiration for them to wear their natural hair and compete with their natural hair, you know? Um, yeah. Because prior to that, they had always been competing with their straight hair. So, um, and all of, us, all of us being in DC, right? Mm -hmm. um, so being able to be a catalyst and one of the first people to, to do that, right? Um, made me feel like 
my sacrifices that I made to put my cultural authenticity ahead of the potential to just be successful was um, worth it because that was my ultimate success. And I didn't even realize at the time that it's not common for a queen to go to Miss America, wherever, and to trend online like I did, being in Essence and, you know, uh, People, Yahoo, just anywhere you could think of, um, MSNBC, like just so many different things or so many different outlets are picking it up. And I didn't even know that, that wasn't common. Like I was just like, oh, this is cool. People are picking, people are seeing what's happening, you know? Um, yeah. And I mean, I honestly, my, I definitely appreciate my father because, um, he literally made sure that my board as Miss DC America was able to amplify those outlets because I know that many people don't even understand and get why it's a big deal, right? Um, right. They can say that they appreciate it, which I can agree with, but I don't think that people understand why it's so big. And I think right. it's because women of color were not allowed to compete. There were literally rules in the contract that said you must be of good health and of white race, somehow associating health with race, right? And that to the point of my my grandmother couldn't have never competed in some of the pageants that I've done, right? My right. mom, even if she tried, would have been f like met with deep racism, right? To even to the point where even if she was able to compete, it would have been extremely hard, especially for her as a woman of color who is not biracial. Right. Um, and I'm grateful for our biracial brothers and sisters, because whether it be Obama or the next person, they're able to help us open the door to start the conversation. But um, I'm still looking forward to the day when we crown a Miss America or a Miss USA, um, who is a an African-American woman of color. Um, who doesn't have to be biracial, who doesn't have to be, quote unquote, exotic from a different country, um, who can wear her naturally curly hair and be celebrated for that and be crowned in that moment rather than having to bring that moment to the forefront later in her reign.